Welcome to the world of stand-up. Oh, we're recording now. No. See, we do that. It's like this. It's like the rolling. Absolutely. Because the people that are watching this are like, wait, what did I miss? <laughs> and you're not going to know. So, <laughs> Right, right. Anyway, Weston Winter, thank you so much for showing up stand-up, man. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. You bet, dude. I, I, uh, we were just talking about this beforehand. Um, I started this podcast. It's a lighthearted show, mm-hmm. obviously, but I wanted to have really interesting conversations with just cool people. Well, and, I appreciate uh, you thinking that I'm cool enough to show well, up. Well, don't jump the gun, dude. So, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, clearly, I... I've I've known you through um, our mutual friend Sean and uh, the Lions Not Sheep stuff. You you've shown up with these fucking snakes, and I'm like, okay, first of all, this guy's into this shit, okay. And then I heard this crazy story about you with the feds and being because I know you're in the CBD business and you do legal growing of of cannabis, and uh, I'm like, oh boy, I, I want to hear that straight out of this dude's mouth. <laughs> absolutely, so it'll be cool. So um, anyway, thanks for showing up, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, thanks again for having me. And by the way, that. Uh, video that you took that day at the LNS shoot where you're yeah. like, Weston, put your dick away. Yeah. I got a lot of views on TikTok. <laughs> People love that shit. I should get into like being an agent for a porn, porn I guess, if I'm <laughs> helping you get views off of your snake, you know? Dude, right. I, there's a funny story about that that I, sometimes I come up with jokes that I think are the funniest and nobody sees them, you know? Right, right. So we're at that shoot. You brought, so what was the name of your snake? You had the big yellow one. Uh, so I brought two to that snake, uh, that snake, to that show. Okay. Um, Apollo was one, and he was the big one. Okay. Uh, big albino Burmese python. And then Soleil was the other one. That's a purple albino retic. Okay, so I need you to give me pictures because we're going to put them right here on the screen so we, people sure. can see this fucking. We can do that. This armless monster okay so <laughs> that's like her <laughs> she's over there squirming she can't stand them dude dude i know your girls are dude props to you for dealing with that i don't know how to <laughs> i was talking to my friend about that and he i was like i'm stoked for weston to come on the show and he's like so so what is he doing i told him you know you you i, I said you <laughs> i described it as you herd snakes i'm like that's not what you do like there's not like a you're not herding snakes like come on guys like I collect them and i breed them there you go yep so um, he's like, so they fuck? I'm like, I don't know, but I'll, I'll, I'll find out, I'm sure. <laughs> and and yes. then he's, he's like, so how big do they get? And I go, I think he's got one that's like 20 feet or something. He's like, oh, my God, no fucking way. Anyway, we were talking about this. And I remember at that photo shoot for Lions Not Sheep, mm-hmm. everybody was trying to have their, like, overcome their fears moment. Yep. Right? Going, I'm going to hold it. Yep. I'm scared. And I was the one dude that was like, you know what? You guys are fucking bitches because overcoming your fears is the bitch thing to do. That's the beta move, dude. Like <laughs> holding strong in that fear of snakes and saying, fuck you, it's my fear. I decided to do that. I didn't even touch that stupid thing. You know? No, you did not. You stayed away. I did. With with, with my girlfriend. Yeah, we were over there just talking shit on everybody overcoming their fears. That's oh, so fiance. Good. Yeah, see, I still do that sometimes. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's see, right. I, I still do that sometimes. Well, let's hope. Still please. Getting, I'm still getting used to it. And I get married in 95 days. Something like that. You better have that number right, bro. Yeah, like, right? Well, let's hope they're still, you know, this thing is done. But <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how did you get into wanting to, like, breed and raise snakes? Like, that seems uh, – because you got a bunch, right? Uh, around 60 that are mine, and that doesn't include any of the uh, the babies that are hatching out right now. So I, I, I did five breedings this season, total of about 147 eggs. So I will have 147 baby snakes – but I've got right now 47 are out. I've got about another 45 hatching. Like literally as we speak, they're probably coming out of eggs. Um, and then I got about another hundred yet to go in the incubator. Dude, so do you realize that you're like the real life Chris Pratt from Jurassic Park? Right? <laughs> <laughs> <You're> like... <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, kind of. Um, but yeah, I, 
it's been a lifelong thing since I was a little kid. Like when I was a little boy, I would run around, I would collect snakes, frogs, lizards, like anything. I would keep them in shoe boxes in my closet. My parents, like I probably did. They know that you had these snakes. Uh, not until they discovered them in the shoe boxes, and then they okay. would freak out. Sometimes because literally the things would die because I would literally like tape the boxes shut. And, like I didn't know what I was doing. I was like six, <laughs> seven years old, right? Like you know, just oh, I, I caught this animal and I'm gonna like, keep it. I'm in gonna the box. pet the rabbits, George. I'm gonna <laughs> pet the- so um, it was just the thing I was always into. I don't know why. I was always fascinated by them. Um, and when I got to college, like most kids in college, I was like, oh, I can do whatever I want now. And so I went through a phase where I started collecting ball pythons, which are small uh, pythons native to sub-Saharan Africa, and then boa constrictors, and then Burmese pythons, which is, a lot of people are familiar with Burmese pythons because they hear about them in the Everglades in Florida. Yeah. Um, and then I went through a phase where I actually kept and collected venomous snakes. So I've had cobras, gaboon vipers, uh, mambas, uh, copperheads. Only these, only ones I've never had are a king cobra and rattlesnakes. But pretty much other than that, I've had I've had all of them. Wow! And I somehow survived that phase of my life without ever getting bit. Um, as I tell people now, when they ask why I don't keep those anymore, I tell them it's because I was much faster, younger, and dumber back then. Um, and I've graduated a little bit um, and got definitely gotten slower. Yeah. So. <laughs> Dude, that's fascinating, man. Because they're such a they're such unique creatures. They are. They're. So, what so I how, keep, how do they breed? Like, is because they're not fucking. I'm just trying to think, like, how, so, how do they do it? So, I will send you some pictures so you can put those up as well. Um, My wife's like, what the fuck are you watching? <laughs> snake fucking. It's a new thing, dude. Yeah. Um, so, what I keep now, so not all snakes breed the same. Not all snakes um, have the same, like, uh, uh, pregnancy or or no, not all of them give birth the same way either so okay. i currently keep pythons uh reticulated pythons to be exact it's the longest species of snake in the world they're native to southeast asia indonesia that region of the world um, and they are truly like the most apex predator that nature ever produced so like for instance i fed a couple of my snakes um, about half the collection two days ago and my big females that are 18 19 feet long I'll feed them 30 pounds worth of rabbit or goat. Like, I'll literally feed them a full goat. And they swallow it whole. Like, the entire fucking thing. They swallow it whole. It sits in their stomach for, like, two and a half weeks. Their body, they have the acids and everything else in their intestinal tracts. They will break the whole thing down. the bones, everything. Everything. And then, literally, they will shit out the leftover bone in, like, piles of calcium and some excrement. And that's it. Wow. Like, there's no other animal on the planet that, like literally just swallows all of their prey at once and utilizes every part of it. Okay, so that's so part of my still, fascination. You still didn't answer how do so they, how do they breed. Yes. So at the base of their, probably depends on the size of them, but probably six to 12 inches back from the tip of their tail, they have what's called a cloaca. The cloaca is the business end of the snake where everything is, whether okay. it's, if it's a female, it's where their vagina is, it's where they pee, it's where they poop. Male, they have, males actually have two penises, so it's called a hemipene. That's what's up. They have one on either side. Okay. Um, and so when they breed, what happens is they'll actually tie tails. We call it locking like that. And they are putting their cloacas next to each other. The male will insert one of his hemipenes into the female. Hemipenes. And drop, and drop a sperm plug. Okay. okay, so a sperm plug, it's literally, and they do this year-round. It's really fucking gross. It's kind of like you just walk around just spooging all over the walls. They do it all over their cage. So you literally find just, like, sperm plugs, like, that long. You're going to clean the cage. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Um, so is it, like, a like a harder density? Like, you say it's a plug. So, so it, we call it a plug. It's, it looks like a loogie, right? Like a stringed-out loogie. So it's like cum, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay. 
Um, that's, but a lo- that's a load. Holy it, shit. <laughs> literally. But they, they will drop sperm plugs into the female. The females can actually retain a sperm plug for up to a year. So, and I've had females actually that have had that happen where I bred them one year and then not bred them the next year and they still end up having a clutch of eggs and you're like, the fuck happened here? Oh, they retained a sperm plug from the year before. So what I'm hearing you say is that females hold on to things and try to use it against the male at the right time. In a lot of ways. Yeah, sure do. Sure do. But I mean, who knew? (laughs) Nature. (laughs) Dude, that's, that's bananas. Like, as you're describing that, I'm legit thinking of like Avatar, like some fucking tail shit with the- Kind of. Like- Kind of. Yeah, I mean, okay. it, 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 it's kind of trippy to see for the first time. The males also have spurs, okay. so, like, they'll literally crawl along the female. I, she got to see this for the first time this past season. She was like, what the fuck? So <laughs> they literally, like, crawl along, and they kind of spur on the female, yeah. like, trying to egg her on and get her into position. So it's it's a super interesting thing, and, I mean, the whole process takes from breeding to babies hatching out of eggs takes six months. So it's not like... Like dogs, you breed dogs, and sixty days later, you got puppies. Right. This is—it's a much more prolonged process. So, how long into the process do you know before they're? Did, did they like start? How when do they show? Like, well, how do you know they're? So breeding? they ovulate. So oh, okay. after you after snake you, periods, dude. <laughs> not like that. Okay. No. So what happens is snakes, and actually there, there's an article um, that I just posted on my Wildfire Retics page that actually illustrates this really well. Send us that link. We'll I will. Put it in here. I will. Okay. Um, so they just caught a Burmese python out of the Everglades in Florida. It's one of the biggest ones that they've ever caught. She was 18 and a half feet long, and she was 222 pounds, Holy which shit. is a really, really large Burmese How python. F- that's like yeah, it's two like this feet big wide? Like yeah, it's like this big round. I, oh I had a retic that passed away two years ago. She was 21 and a half feet long, and she was 222 pounds. Like, she was... Literally both my feet like that, like massive. Um, but this Burmese python they just pulled out of the Everglades had 122 follicles inside of her, which follicles are what become eggs once they're fertilized. Okay. So what happens is females will build follicles. They breed with the male. The male drops in a sperm plug, and then the female will ovulate. She'll, she'll literally suck all the follicles up almost into her abdomen, and all of a sudden, it looks like they ate. There's this huge lump right in the middle of their stomach. You're like, oh, there it is. Okay, boom. And after they ovulate, then they push the follicles back down. And they start becoming eggs, and they push them down towards the base of their tail. And their tail gets fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter until they lay the eggs. Okay. So it's like, so it starts in the middle, and then it slowly goes towards the end, mm-hmm. depending on where it's at in the cycle. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they lay the eggs. And that's usually, for, for us as keepers, that's one of the most uh, dangerous times because females are not about giving up their eggs, and they will absolutely fight you and try to fuck you up. Really? Um, oh, yeah. There's, there's some videos. So how do you handle that? Uh, well, I usually have her film when she screams and cries a lot. Um, <laughs> and I, I have hooks um, and gloves, and I literally just reach in there and kind of push them away. And I'm, I'm mainly trying to be careful with the eggs. So the eggs all stick together in a pile. Because um, in, in nature, what would happen is the female would lay those eggs and she would literally stay coiled around them for 90 days until they hatch. She wouldn't move. And so the design by nature is that the eggs all stick together to stay in a pile. Um, so we move the female and usually I can pick the pile up with like one hand and then pull it out and separate the eggs and put them in the incubator. So they need an incubator since they're not with the, the mom. Well, the, so you could leave them with the mom. You could do that. Your, your hatch rate is going to be much, much lower. So, again, when we're doing this in captivity, our object is to hatch out as many of the eggs as possible. Um, So by taking the eggs, it does two things. One, ensures more viability for the majority of the eggs. Number two, once we take the female out of the cage and we clean it, 
um, it takes the scent of the eggs away. It kind of takes her out of that maternal mode and she'll start eating again because okay. otherwise literally they won't eat for six months and they'll lose a shit ton of weight and it's just really, really hard on them. Um, so it's better for the snake for us to actually take the eggs from them. Dude, that's crazy. So you, did you go to school for any of this? No. Just this out of YouTube University, dude. Um, actually, so I've got a good a good buddy. This is gonna sound crazy. Um, oh, this all sounds crazy. You yeah. don't have to qualify <laughs> that, dude. True. So um, he's one of my actually my best friends, and I've never shook his hand in person. But I literally talk to him almost every day. His name's Paul Lucas. He lives in Maryland. Okay. Um, I bought a couple snakes from him back in 2017. And we just hit it off, and he kind of, like, mentored me through this entire process. He's been doing this for almost two decades. Um, and, yeah, we, we literally – he's actually shipping me a new lizard tomorrow um, that, okay. uh, that, that, that he produced. So not just um, snakes, lizards too. Yeah, big, okay. big lizards. Okay, so I, I have a – I'm serious about this question. I have a, I have a personal question for you about this. Okay. Do you find yourself feeling love or empathy for your, your animals? Um, so for certain snakes, yeah, Absolutely. Um, there are some that I have that are like, that are absolutely pets that even once I, at some point I will stop breeding. And at that point, like I will pare down the collection. Um, 60 snakes is a fuckload of work. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) it's a lot of money. Like I have two part-time employees that come up twice a week just to help me clean. Like it's, it's an endeavor. Um, and at the point that I decide that I'm done breeding, I will pair the, pair that collection down to probably like a dozen snakes and it, it's those dozen, like, they are, yeah. like, my pets. Like, she's – and she doesn't understand it at all. But, like, there are certain ones that, like, I genuinely enjoy just getting out and, like, hanging out with and interacting with. And there are other ones – again, I posted a video to my TikTok probably, like, two weeks ago of this male that is literally wild-caught. So somebody caught his ass out of the jungles in Indonesia and imported him, and he wants to kill everything, including me, especially me. And so, like, he's not a pet. Like, when, yeah. when I'm done breeding, he can go. Um, but other <laughs> other ones, yeah, they're they're. I definitely feel you're like, not trying to turn him. Like, come on, man, I'm a good guy. N- I'm, nope, I nope <laughs> nope. I I deal with him when I absolute necessity. Like your cage is fucked up. Okay, you got to come out of there. Um, other than that, I leave him alone. But <sighs> but for breeding, he's he's a really important piece to my breeding puzzle. So that's why I have him. So um, are there like crossbreeds of different types, or like like dogs where you can have like a collie mm-hmm. German Shepherd mix or some shit? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, a mix of a Burmese python and a reticulated python is referred to as a bat eater. Okay. Um, so there is actually a small region of Southeast Asia where Burmese pythons and reticulated pythons actually do coexist. And there have been instances in the wild where they've actually uh, commingled and bred in the wild. But hybrid snakes are really, really touchy. It's really, really difficult usually to get them to actually hatch out. Um, and so I've never really gone down that route. Like I've, I've, I don't need to for me. Um, there's not much... There's not a lot you can do with them besides further hybridization. Right. And for me, like, there's enough genetic mutations within reticulated pythons that, like, I'm good. I was thinking that, too. You know? <laughs> You're this like, is, what the fuck are you talking no, about? No, no, no. I'm totally <laughs> following what you're saying. This is so interesting to me because, actually, um, me and the, my producer were talking about snakes before you got here. Okay. And they're, they're, these, they're, they're so odd as a creature and it's like i've been trying to think about it and i, I kind of figured out why you know there's this concept called the overton window where basically in society there's a certain threshold of what we're willing to tolerate right so okay. like in 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 media in beauty in uh honesty and sex like there's like a window we're like oh we're good in that window but when it gets outside of that window we're like mm, that's too weird okay. and society and culture causes this window to shift in perspective like we're seeing as an example like 
it's very, very normal right now to see transgender people, and they're fully accepted. Mm-hmm. 30 fucking years ago. Shit, 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not the same, right? right? So we were talking about that relative to, like, animals. Mm-hmm. Like, you have a cute little squirrel and a snake and a puppy. Or not a snake, but a puppy. Like, there's this, like, threshold we have of, like, what we find cute. And then snakes are like, none of it. <laughs> they're like this slimy fucking alien with no legs that fucks with an avatar braid. I, I don't know. It's like, it's so, it's an alien, you know? And so, but yet, um, there are a lot of people that have a lot of like really endeared feelings towards, you know, those type of creatures. So, and, and there are people that like, again, I, I explained this to Jess when I uh, first started, uh, when we were together and I go to reptile expos, right? So I will take babies to rec- reptile expos to, to sell them. And I literally told her, I was like, you think people watching at like airports is interesting? Come to a fucking reptile expo. Oh, my God. Yo, please. (laughs) Tell me when there's... Dude, that's comedy gold right there. August 6th and 7th, right here in Salt Lake. Okay, dude. I I, I will remind you. I'm not even kidding. I will so go with you. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Dude, did that place stink, though? (laughs) um, It it, it doesn't necessarily... She's all... It doesn't necessarily, but, like, yo, I'm telling you, it is... For for you especially, yes, comedic gold. Okay. 100%. Dude, we're... We'll have him come with the camera. We're going to go full reality. He's like, wait, what? No, 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 no. I'm I'm, I'm out that weekend. Sorry, dude. My my exact words were snakes are the mortal enemy of man. Yeah, so we're going to put you in front of a bunch of them with a camera. (laughs) Face your fears, bitch. All right. Dude, so so you start as a teenager. You were killing them as a young boy. Yeah, pretty much. Taping them shut. Sorry, Lenny. Um, And then it just developed. Because you're... Are you in your 30s or 40s? I'm in my 30s. 30s. Okay, yep. so yeah, dude. So you got tons of like blue sky above this where you could turn it into something really magnificent for yourself. So here's here's the thing, like, and it's interesting, right? Because we talked about Sean, like that's how we know each other. And right. he's constantly sending me. So I actually got Sean in the snake. So his snake that he has, yeah, butters. Came, yeah, yeah. Butter, butters came from me. Yeah. Sean was petrified of snakes, right? Yeah. And then he came to Colorado a couple of years ago to visit. And I had to go to my facility while he was there. And he, he walked in and he was just like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was like, yo, just relax. Like, you're fine. And I literally walked over and pulled a little baby snake out of a tub. And I walked over to him. I was like, put your hand out. And he's like, what? no. And I was like, put your hand out. And he's like, Ugh. And like he did. And I just said it. And I was like, there, see, it's no big deal. And I turned around and walked away. And he's like, whoa, 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 where, where, where are you going? And I yeah. was like, yo, it's fine. And by the end of it, that same um, – same snake apollo that i brought to the lns shoot yeah he was literally holding that snake around his neck like it's just it's a it's a conditioning thing that a lot of us have right um and so well the movements and the sensations are just different than any other they are they are for sure um but as far as like turning it into something my point with that is like there are guys that have like millions and millions of followers on youtube and uh and instagram and stuff like that and a lot of what they post is like sensational like it's zany kind of entertainment stuff yeah and that's just not my gig with it, right? Like, I post a lot of stuff, and the biggest following I have is with my snakes on yeah. social media. Yeah. But it's mainly value-driven. Like, I'm trying to teach people about them and try to educate people. Like, that's my, been my biggest thing with, with Jess. She's morbidly terrified of them. And the last thing I want to do is add to that fear. Like, right. I want to try and not necessarily condition her to where, like, she wants to work with me alongside of it. But just to where she's okay with it. She's it doesn't cause her, terrified, like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and so... Like, from that standpoint, like, the snakes are a hobby for me. Like, I do it because I enjoy them. I actually bred animals for a living uh, when I was in my 20s. Uh, I gave up reptiles for a while and bred dogs. And 
like that was a learning experience in enough of itself. When you rely on something to put food on your table, you your ethics your ethics can be questioned. Your ethics yeah. will, will go out the window in a, in a lot of different instances. And for me, the snakes like it's a fun thing. I don't ever want it to be like, oh shit, I have to do this. So, right. Well, that's a that was a nice t-ball segue into your other business. <laughs> Trying to tee it up. So, t- so tell me. Easy. So, what's the name? So, currently, what's the name of your business now? Anyone CBD. Anyone CBD. Okay. Yes. So that is that is the retail brand that I started, uh, really last year. Dude, I remember again at another LNS shoot, you showed up with these like they were like fucking gummy bears or some shit. They were mm-hmm. like these little, so damn good, dude. Mm-hmm. I could have eaten a whole bag of those things, <laughs> man. So how did so I want we'll talk about the Fed story soon, but, but so. How did you get into that? How did you get into weed? Was it were you like a drug dealer as a kid? And yeah. Kind of, really? Yeah. Straight That's up. such a common. Like I don't even say that jokingly. That's such a common thing. Like right now, with how the legalization has worked state to state, the talent that is bud tenders and growers is decades been a decades longer than the yeah. actual legalities. Yeah, it is. So I a lot of like. Even a lot of guys in our circle talk about, like, oh, you know, they sold weed as a kid because they had to. They wanted to make money, whatever. Right. That definitely wasn't my, like, situation. I just simply, like, I, the first time I ever smoked weed, I got high as hell. And I loved it. And I quickly got tired of spending money on pot. And so it was like, wait, how can I fix this? Oh, I can buy more, sell it to my friends, and I can smoke for free. And that literally was how I became, like, that's why I started selling weed. Um, and then when I got to college, you know, every now and then again, back then in, in the early 2000s, like you'd find a bag seed now and then. Right. Yeah. So behind the woods in my, co- at my college, I was literally out like we're out there fishing and hunting and doing whatever. And I was just Johnny Appleseed and seeds in the, in the swamps of South Florida. <laughs> and sure as shit, some of them sprouted and it was like, oh shit. All right. And that was how I started growing was literally just outdoors in the swamps of South Florida, like just messing around, trying to, you know, grow my own stuff. Yeah. Um, and eventually moved indoors and started taking it more seriously. Um, and it just kind of continued to spiral, like, okay. you know, and continue to build. It sounds like a similar arc as, like, your your snake stuff. It's, like, just kind of an interest, and there were some things, and you just took it serious at some point. And- well, I, I did. So I was in uh, – when I graduated college, I was in corporate sales for – I was in sales since I was, like, 16. Right. So that that was what I did. I sold cell phones. I sold water systems like I that was just what I did. Um, And so I was in corporate sales for a big uh, IT research firm. And in 2012, I went out to Denver, Colorado for a conference and a buddy of mine from South legal then. Right. It well, it wasn't it was it was medical. It was medically passed, but it hadn't actually passed recreationally yet in 2012. Um, so I went out for a conference out there and met up with a buddy of mine who had sold his road construction company in South Florida and he moved out to Colorado, hit him up like, Hey, what are you doing? You know, this and else get, you know, get together, go to dinner. So we did. And I was like, what are you doing now? You just live in retired life, like hanging out. He's like, no, come back to the house. I'll show you. So we go back to his house and he go down to his barn and he just starts opening up these rooms full of pot plants. And I'm like, the fuck? Like. How you know nothing about weed? What are you doing? He's like, dude, it's all legal. Like showing me the licenses and how he's doing. I'm like, so, so wait, you're growing plants. And what then city what? is this in, by the way, in Colorado? Th- this is in Littleton. Littleton, okay. And, and and he's and I'm just like, so what are you doing? He's like, dude, you literally grow it. We harvest it, two pounds at a time. We walk into the dispensary and they buy it straight cash. And I'm like, this is legal. He's like, it's all legal, dude. And sure as shit, like it was back then. Like when 
that's what people don't understand. Like Colorado was truly the wild, wild west when it was medical only. Yeah. Like it, it was free for all before all of the like attention and especially before recreational. So I go home and I, I can't stop thinking about this, right? Like I'm, I'm in South Florida. I'm growing in my spare bedroom, which if I get caught, it's a like mandatory minimum 10-year sentence, right? For weed, that's so for, for growing plants. Because right. cultivation's always carried the highest penalties. Always has. Um, and so I'm doing that and I'm just like, yo, if this guy can fucking do it, yeah. I can do it. Like, the, like I'm already doing it. If he can t- turn this thing on, so can I. So I started doing more and more research into it, and I'll never forget, and I've, the same thing, I've told Jess this story. Like, I literally sat my parents down and was like, I'm quitting my job. I'm They're s- like, is he gay? What's he going to tell us here? I'm selling all my, I'm selling all my assets in, in Florida, and I'm moving to Colorado to grow weed. And they were just like, the fuck you are? It's like, actually, no, that's exactly what I'm going to do, and you really can't stop me. Um, and so it, it took them a bit. Like, and my mom was an attorney. Yeah. yeah. And so I literally just like passed, like, here, look, like it's actually legal. And she figured out that it was. And so that was in early 2013. I literally packed up a, wow. my dog, a, a seven by 16 trailer and my truck. And I moved to Colorado all by myself to start my own weed venture. Where were you at in Colorado? So I was just north of Colorado Springs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I remember seeing, it was after it was, it was, it was, it was barely after it had become recreational. There was this documentary like reality TV show about mm-hmm. this weed shop in Breckenridge. Yep. That was right on the main place. And like yep. they showed, do you remember that show? Yeah. You I know those that. people? I knew that guy. Okay. Yeah. So it again, sounded like a fucking pain in the ass. Cause like they had everybody in well, the town up their ass. Like they had, like it was. So again, that was in the very early days, right? right. Like when it was the transition from medical to recreational. And when it was medical, like everything was still more like, even in Colorado, it was still more quiet. Right. Like there wasn't big signage everywhere and like people knew. Right. But it wasn't like you had tourists coming in just to buy wheat. Like it was you had to go to the doctor, get a card. Okay, cool. You go to the store, you get your stuff. No big deal. Well, when it went wreck and that store in particular that was literally on Main Street in Breckenridge and they were one of the first to get a recreational license. So it's a tourist town, first of all. And then they're one of the first in the state to get a rec license. So homeboy, he was a felon. It was, he actually couldn't own. He wasn't on the licensing at all. It was all his wife. Everything was in her name. Um, he just literally would show up and like it was his sort of he was the brains behind the whole thing. Um, but legally, he wasn't even technically supposed to be in certain parts of the business. Like he wasn't supposed to be touching plants. Like a lot of the stuff that they showed on that show actually ended up getting him in even more trouble. Did he end up going to jail? Uh, I don't think he ended up going to jail. I don't remember. I don't think he ended up going back to jail, but he, like, they ended up... Back to jail. (laughs) They ended up selling their entire thing and getting out of it, which was the best thing that they could have done. Um, But, yeah, like, it, it was a crazy time to be there and be part of it all because you literally had, like, people transitioning over to recreational and then not really sure, like, oh, well, who can I actually sell to? Like, can I sell to out-of-state people? Can I not? Like, yeah. it, it, nothing was clear at first. And with Colorado being the first state that ever went wreck, like, there was no standard, right? Yeah. The, there was nothing to, like, oh, well, this is what we go by. It was just, we're writing the book as we go. Um, and it was even crazier to be in the industry and, be like, actually be working in it because the laws were literally changing every week. Like, you would log on and look at, like, and there'd be 
18 different new regulations that had been passed in the, in, in the last week. And it'd be like, you have 14 days to comply. It's like, what the fuck? Right. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a crazy time to be in the industry. Um, I learned a ton. Um, you know, I had a lot of personal stuff going on at the same time. Like after I moved to Colorado, that was actually not almost, it wasn't even six months after I moved to Colorado, my mom passed away. Um, and so I had, like I said, I had a lot of personal stuff going on in the midst of trying to like start this business and get this whole thing off the ground. Um, and again, not like I moved to Colorado on my own. It wasn't like I had family or like a whole bunch of friends there. Like it was really just me. Um, and I, I actually attribute a lot of my success in cannabis to the fact that for about 18 months from late 2013 into 2015, like I didn't do anything. I didn't socialize. I didn't party. Like it was me, my dog. That's actually when I got my first reticulated python was, okay. w- w- was during that period. And it was just me, my animals, and my plants. And I just literally went to work every single day. 50 feet from my house down in my uh, detached garage and spent literally 12, 14 hours a day just tending to plants and like figuring out systems and like learning what, because I, again, I didn't have a mentor. Like, it's not like I went to college for botany or anything like that. Um, And it just self-taught. Dude, that's crazy, man. Like I, it's such a, it's so interesting to me when you consider how safe weed actually is. So you have these crazy stories of like these wild, I mean, guys like you and and other people that were like selling it before it was legal, Mm -hmm. learning to grow it before (laughs) Johnny Appleseed and in the fucking Florida Keys, you know, (laughs) and then things change. Mm -hmm. And like, here we are in 2022 and, you know, even here in Utah, like I have a medical card, like it's, it's, there's dispensaries, there's, I think there's four or five within a 10 minute Mm -hmm. drive of where we're at right now Mm -hmm. in fucking Utah. Like that's, it's. I feel I don't I don't like to buy into a lot of the like narrative of like suppression and and you know some of the things as far as like being labeled as a as a um disenfranchised minority or whatever like when I think about all the fucking people that went to jail for weed still are low level shit yeah still are it's still like are. dude what the fuck are we doing I literally just posted a thing the other day as a story that was just put out um in LA Times by uh, by their um uh, their cannabis contributor Jimmy Devine in 2021, there were more arrests for marijuana than there have been since 2011. 60 now? Yes. What are they arresting him for? Federal, federal charges. So exactly what happened to me. Yeah. And we can, like we can segue into that. Yeah. So, so hold on, but so before we get into that, and we, we'll spend some time there. But like, why? Why? What is the what is the Fed gaining now? Money. Are they, so they're seizing money. Well, they're seizing money. They're seizing assets, and the entire. This has got to be a political thing. Oh, it, 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 well, they're it, like, that's an enemy. How can we get him? Oh, he's got a weed shop. There well, it is. That it's also one. Our government's broke as fuck. Right. So that's like any assets they can take from citizens and 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 or money. Number two, just the entire like entire prison complex system. Like without drug offenders, it hurts. Oh, for sure. It hurts big time. Like. There aren't enough murderers and rapists and robbers in, in the, in, Get in with the United it, guys. States to fill, to <laughs> no, to fill our prisons, right? Yeah. And, and our privatized prison system, it, and there's, there's actually a report on this out there, one of the safest and most lucrative real estate investments you can do is privatized prisons. Oh, yeah. Dude, I remember up. 
I remember um, this was an interesting because I've I've been a fan of uh, of Kanye West's music for a long time, right? Okay. So several years ago, when he was running for president, he was talking about abolishing the Thirteenth Amendment, mm-hmm. and people didn't realize like they thought he was talking about like slavery and shit. And it's like no, 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 the Thirteenth Amendment is what allows privatized prisons Mm -hmm. because you can legitimately have slave labor Mm -hmm. if there's this list of things that they've done and you have like fucking the the privatized prison lobby going to congress and buying politicians and saying look um and the politicians in a quid pro quo saying look i can provide if you build a prison in our state and you're willing to give this money to these things that are important to me as a in my constituents I will guarantee you a certain amount of inmates. Yeah. How the fuck does a congressperson guarantee inmates? Oh, they tweak the laws so there's low-level shit, so these fuckers are going to jail and becoming a part of the system. Hence drug laws. Drug laws. It's so like, fucking all, Like any and all drug laws. Like besides, and this is just my own personal belief, but literally unless you are manufacturing or distributing methamphetamine, cocaine, or heroin, there should be no there should be no penalties for any other drug like possession, sale, any of it, especially anything that grows out of the ground. Yeah. That was here. No, there should be no penalties, period. It is kind but of, there are because exactly what you said. Yeah. Because of the privatized prison. Well, it's like I've I've been on this kick lately about politicians where I'm like, there's not a fucking clean one in the bunch, man. Even if a good person wanted to get into politics, the second that they're in there, all of a sudden they're in a pig a trough, like a trough of pigs that they can't stay clean. Well, impossible. This you're, you're right because the entire system is rigged because what does it take to get elected? Money. Right. Unless you come from a family that just has millions and billions of dollars. Yeah. And if they do, they're already connected to politicians and that's who they lean on to get you into office. And it's just one hand shakes the other, shakes the other, shakes the other. And you end up making deals that maybe you don't even necessarily want to make, but you have to, to get to where you want to be. Dude, there's, so there's two things. I, I remember uh, one of my favorite comedians had this joke about how politicians need to have like their sponsors on their suit coats like NASCAR. So uh-huh. the bottom. They should. Oh, hey, they should. look at that, dude. Yeah. No, they absolutely Looks like should. fucking Ricky Bobby and it's a politician. <laughs> um, the, the other one was, uh, oh, shit, it escaped my mind. Um. Yeah, it's getting my mind. It'll come back to you. It will come back to me. It was specifically about um, that whole... Uh, fuck out of here. I forgot. <laughs> you just witnessed uh, future Alzheimer's uh, coming from this guy right here. So, <laughs> hey, uh, No. I, it's coming I, for all of we're us not gonna play. Yeah, we're not going to play that game. We're like, oh, I thought it was... A- God damn it. Well, we're, ro- we're rolling, and this is going to stay in, because like I need to... <laughs> I need this. I got cut on the Ricky Bobby joke is what happened. I was like, I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta deliver the punchline for the Ricky Bobby joke with the <laughs> fucking thing. It doesn't matter. But but the the whole point of like drugs and things like that in that whole complex is uh it's very weird where the line is for what's considered medicine and what can be corrupted. It's like I have uh I have family, my my two daughters, they live in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And now in Oregon, like psychedelic mushrooms are yeah. legal. Yeah. And it's like I keep waiting for oh, it, it, right now, pharma is doing all they can to lobby against these natural medicines mm-hmm. because they don't know how to make money on them yet. Well, they they can't. And, and I've Until said it's federally that. legal, they'll be able to. Well, Oh, and then it's going to be all fucking synthetic and all that shit. And he, that's inherent. Or it might be before. Th- that's inherently the problem, right? right? Pharmacies, and I've, I've been saying this for years, just in regards to cannabis, right? Pharmaceutical companies are not in the business of growing plants, nor will they ever be. 
They're in the business of synthetic chemicals being combined in a certain way in a laboratory that, that it, they own the patent. That they own the patent that they can provide relief for a symptom, right? They've been trying to synth uh, synthesize THC for decades. Only problem is when you synthesize THC, when it's not from a plant, guess what? It comes it with all you. kinds of side effects. Well, dude, anybody that's been really stoned yeah. knows that like there is a similarity in that heavy body high as an opiate. Yes. So like if Absolutely. you're on a oxycotton or whatever, like that mm -hmm. sort of floating, like if you're on the moon stone, it's a similar. It's not the same, mm -hmm. but it's a similar. So like I could see that how they would feel. I remember what I was gonna say. Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah, there it dude. Is. <laughs> Coming in through the fucking brain. Okay, so when I when I uh, when I first got into podcasting, one of my first sponsors okay. was uh, this this cryptocurrency called Hope Gold Coin. Okay, okay. that's an in, uh, it's an irrelevant piece, but what is relevant about the story is that the guy that was the chairman of Hope Gold Coin mm -hmm. was this guy whose name is John Allen. Okay, John Allen. Uh, it's not even his real name. Uh, I never found out his real name. He was in his 70s. He was in Reagan's White House as an advisor from the CIA, and he was a spy for 30 years in the Middle East, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember uh, there was – he became a great friend of mine. I call him right now. We have th these great conversations because he's so interesting and he has so much shit about the most random, dirty shit in this world, right? Mm -hmm. And he was telling me I, – I, I, we were having this conversation. I go, tell me something that, like, Americans are led to believe that's not true. He's like, that's easy, dude, that we don't negotiate with terrorists. He's like, you know how much fucking terrorists have our money? All of it. Like, he's, he's going off all this. He's like, I've been in a foxhole in Afghanistan with a million bucks in cash in a duffel bag trying to buy information from these fucking... And he's like, got all the slurs. Like, he's not worried about crossing any sort of racial lines. Right. And I'm sitting there giggling. Like, oh, my God, did he just say that? <laughs> I, also then asked, I also then asked him, like, because I was on this House of Cards kick, right? And if okay. you've ever seen House of Cards' show, mm -hmm. it's dirty as fuck, dude. And it's real. Hold on. This is the thing. As I asked him, because, like, dude, this guy was in Reagan's White House. Yep. He had was in all those levels of government, in the CIA. You know, the, all the big three-letter agencies, those people aren't elected. No. Like, they're appointed. Yeah. The, the, the whole idea of deep state is very real. And these guys have so much power, and they really can't lose their jobs unless the president fires them. But at the threat of that, they invoke all this shit. It's like you watch what happened to Trump, and it's like, oh, boy, okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the whole point is I was, we were having this conversation, and I remember specifically because we were talking at night one time, and I was kind of drunk because <laughs> that was our thing. Like, we'd sit around, and he'd drink, and i drink, and this was like when my wife's playing Bunko or some shit. <laughs> and, and I'm like, bro, like, I'm watching House of Cards, man. This shit's fuck with me. And he's like, he starts laughing. I go, what's so funny, man? And he's like, dude, in real life, it's ten times worse, worse. than that shit. He's like... They make you think that that is some sort of fiction. He's like, not even close, dude. He's like, they they look at what's actually happened. These writers, because they have access, and they go, we can't do that, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> how about we do like one ten? How about we just uh, have him push the girl and she dies in front of a train? That'll yeah. work. Not the fact that he fucking destroyed her family and all this stuff. And it's like, and then when I hear about, um, did you hear that the 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 main dude over security uh, for the January sixth deal just he showed up dead yesterday. What? He's dead now. Yeah. What, what do you What do you know? Yeah. What do you know? Hey. And I was like, I didn't know the Clintons were a part of that. I, I was literally just gonna Ew. say, like, how can you literally yeah. avoid or, or, or gloss over the Clinton body count alone? Like, how many people? How do you do suicide you know? yourself in the back of the head twice, bro? How do you literally? How can you walk around as a human being, as a citizen of the United States, and you have fifty plus bodies yeah. that have dropped around you? And oops, nope, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Like. 
Anywhere else it might be, be called, called Dude, a conspiracy. Dude, I, I, I have a comedian friend. His name is Matt Tribe, and he's out of his fucking mind, okay? Mm -hmm. He's so funny. And he goes on these rants on stage about how it's his goal to be offed by the Clintons. Because <laughs> he's just talking all this shit. He basically said that, like, <laughs> that the Clintons were responsible for killing Willy Wonka. And he's like, God, he's like, no, dude, it's for real. Like, he, they came in and they poisoned the chocolate river. He's like going on this whole thing. <laughs> and he's being absurd, but it's kind of funny as far as like, we don't know the depth of that shit. Anyway, no. so I'm talking with, you know, this John guy. He's like, he's like it, would, it, it would scare the shit out of you. actually knew the level. Okay, so there's that. Well, bef uh, shortly after that, um, I had this kind of odd relationship with this guy. I'm going to even say his name because he's a fucker. But um, in North Carolina, this guy that I did some commodities work with over the course of the years where you know I traveled and lived for extensive periods of time in Brazil and Argentina and he did some stuff in Southeast Asia and uh, we were talking about um, being able to he, he had fully figured out I, I wasn't a part of this like I said he had fully figured out how to bribe Chinese officials for the sake of getting contracts for commodities mm -hmm. um, but, but he would say to me kind of like there's some stuff you're not going to want to know I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, and my naive self, I'm like, just money. Like, and he's like, no, there's, there's like people that don't, don't stick around. Or, I'm like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I don't want a part of this world. Yeah, like, no, yeah. I, you're right. I don't want a part of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, that's. I mean, and this is, I learned it firsthand. Like the amount of like corruption that goes on in our government yeah. when I went through my case in 2018. And, like, straight up, they came after me because I had assets that they could seize under federal law, and they literally didn't even have to prove in okay, court. Okay, so, so hold on a second. So you're, it's 2018. 2018. You're so living in Colorado. I'm living in Colorado. Totally I'm, legal, grow I'm, operation. I am running a... Do you have a retail part of it? Nope. I'm, okay. I am grow literally off. just a cultivator. Okay. Medically. I'm not even in the rec market. Okay. I'm a medical cultivator. Okay? So, backstory. During the Obama administration, Eric Holder, the AG, had yeah. passed the Cole Memo. Cole Memo said federal entities could not interfere in states that had passed medical or recreational marijuana laws. Stay the fuck out, right? Right. Well, not Trump, but his lovely first appointment of AG, Jeff Sessions, the fucking dinosaur from Alabama. Remember, yep. Yep, said, nope, Cole Memo, it's out. That was first thing, one of the first things he did as AG. So starting in 2018, federal agencies started rolling through Colorado. And the state of Colorado and the various law enforcement organizations would cooperate with them. And we'll get to why in a minute. So, uh -huh. so February 21st, 2018, I'm actually here in Salt Lake City at, the, at, at that time. Um, the personal trainer that I had actually lived here. And I would come out once a quarter to you know, get new routines, work out with them, whatever. So I'm in a hotel room in downtown Salt Lake City, 6 a.m., and my phone starts going crazy, starts blowing up, right? And I'm like, what the hell? I pull up, start pulling up my cameras, and my cameras at my facility are going down one by one. There's smoke all over the rest of them. I can't see what's going on. And I'm like, yo, is there a fire? Like, what, it, it, am I getting robbed? Like, what the hell is going on? And finally, Before, there was one, but Hold on. Did you have any idea this was a possibility for you? So... Look, when you're in when you're in the industry, like you always like it's always in the back of your mind, like, right? I, kind of, yeah. Like because you you when you've been in the industry for any amount of time, and you meet guys that have really been in it for a longer period of time, like 
yeah, like I'm not gonna say it's like a scout badge, but almost like being raided by the by the feds. It's almost like a yeah, yeah. I remember when I was yeah, I've been the there. Like time. I got that patch, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, like it's it's in the back of your mind. You know, it's a possibility, but you also you're like, yeah, it'll never happen to me, right? Because right. it's just one of those things, and especially like I wasn't a big brand. I wasn't like out on Front Street with a with a retail shop. Like yeah. I was a small medical cultivator, right? And like I literally had one facility, five thousand square feet. Like nothing, nothing crazy. Um, when you think about that for the size of like a garage, that's very small. Yes, that's yeah. not a lot of output. How many how many pounds of weed do you do in a quarter or a month or however you? Would... So in in a, in a given month, we did seventy five to ninety pounds a month. Okay, so that's not a ton of weed when you consider about it. No. Okay. So no. it anyway, it was it was a like for me and my one full time employee, it was a full time job for both of us, and it was a really good living. Sure. Right, and we were literally providing medicine. To people that needed it like i didn't just deal with dispensaries i actually had actual patients that came directly to me for their medicine i worked with people that had ms fibromyalgia cancer epilepsy like all sorts of different conditions um and that was part of why like even to this day still for me like look cannabis is it, you want to get high to get high cool do that like you want to drink to get drunk same thing cool go for it but like cannabis is medicine and like that's part of yeah. why like i'm doing what i'm doing now but so yeah, I'm in Salt Lake City. My phone's going crazy, and finally, like I've one camera way up high in my facility that could just like 360 view. And I remember clicking on that one because it's the only one that's still up. And the smoke starts clearing, and I see this dude walking away, and all I can see are the letters on his jacket, DEA. And I'm like, oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me, dude! Like, what is going on? So meanwhile, I'm trying to call my my number one employee like my best friend at the time i'm trying to call my girlfriend like i'm trying to call anybody and no one's answering the phone now granted it's early in the morning but like i'm calling and calling and calling and calling and no right. one's answering the phone and i'm like oh shit like do they have everybody like did they already like am i getting a knock on my hotel room door in, in, in a minute or two like what is going on right. finally get my attorney on the phone which that is one thing when you're in the cannabis industry you have a team of attorneys Right. And that's the first person I finally got a hold of. And I'm like, um, we have a serious fucking problem. He's like, what? You get robbed? No, the DEA is in my facility. And he's like, shut the fuck up. I'm like, I'm not. I'm watching him on the camera, dude. Like, what do I do? He's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm in Salt Lake City. He's like, uh, get on a plane and get back to Denver now. Okay. It's heard. So I go to the airport, get a hold of my girlfriend on the way to the airport. And again, like, when you're in the cannabis industry, like you do kind of have it in the back of your mind. Like if we ever have a problem, like here's the plan, right? Yeah, you've got to have a plan. Yeah. And so I finally get a hold of her and I'm just like, Hey, like it's happening. It's fucking D day. And she's like, no, I'm like, yes. Like, where are you? She's like, I stayed at my mom's last night. I'm like, go to the house, get the dogs, get the money. Like I'm coming to the airport. Like I'll meet you at the airport. And, and not like a, like we're going to fly, like flee the country, but just like come to the airport, meet me there. Like we'll figure this out. Right. So I get on a plane, I'm flying home, thank God for Wi-Fi on planes, and I'm texting her as, you know, she, as she's going along. Meanwhile, I got a hold of my, uh, my employee, and I like, told him, because we were literally in the middle of a harvest, too. So, of course, like right smack in the middle of a harvest, and I finally get a hold of him. I'm like, yo, <laughs> work is off. Tell everybody, like, stay the fuck away. So we're about to land in Denver, and all of a sudden, my girlfriend texts me, and she's like, Weston, da-da-da, she's like, I just passed 13 cop cars and a tow truck. Your truck was on the tow truck. They hit the house. 
my house and my facility were four miles away from each other. My house didn't have plant one in it, right? Like never in my, like the remote parts of my brain did it ever occur to me that there would ever be a reason for them to hit my house. Now I'm like, oh, I'm really fucked. Like my guns are in my house. Like I had personal drugs in my house. Like, you know, and like cash. I'm just like, dude, <laughs> what is going on? So I land. My car's still at the airport. I'm surprised I, they didn't have there. somebody tag you at the airport. Man. So th- this literally, I swear to God, I'm getting off the plane, right? And I have my phone in my hand with my button on the erase iPhone because I'm literally waiting to hear. So my first name's Charles. Yeah. And I'm walking off the airplane and I'm just waiting to hear Charles Winter, like thinking there's no way they don't know that I'm landing here, right? right. Like it's the feds. Walk off the plane, nothing. Hmm. Walk all the way through the airport, nothing. My girlfriend's there. I'm like, pick me up at arrivals. Like, you know, walk out, get in the car. How fucking nerve-wracking, dude. Dude, like, I genuinely at this point have no clue what's going on, yeah. right? Like, I don't know if my dogs are alive or dead. I don't know, like, what condition anything is in. All I know is that none of my people are arrested, including me. Like, there wasn't anybody waiting for me, right? So I go straight to my attorney's office, downtown Denver. Walk in, sit down in the conference room. He comes in. He's like, uh, hell of a day, huh? And I'm like, please tell me you have some kind of fucking information. He's like, I have nothing for you. He's like, I have called nothing. And I was like, well, I got this. And I got a message while I was on the plane. I got a voicemail from one of the investigators. And literally just said, this is uh, investigator so-and-so, Drug Enforcement Administration, letting you know that we served a search warrant at your home, at your facility, at your mailbox, because I had a, like a P.O. box. Yeah. Um, and would like to have a conversation with you. Please give me a call at this number. So played it for my attorney. He's like, fuck, I'll call him. So he calls him, and uh, he's like, yeah, you, you know, this is my attorney. This is so, such and so. I'm the attorney for, you know, Weston Winter, letting you know that, you know, um, you know, we, we're aware that you were at his residence and, you know, his facility, and the guy's like, yeah, do you know where Mr. Winter is? And my attorney's like, well, I do, but I'm not at liberty to, to tell you that. Is he under arrest? No, no, not at all. Okay, um, can you give me any information as to, to what's going on? Well, we'd really like to have a conversation with Mr. Winter. My attorney's like, well, you can talk to me. I'm his attorney. I legally represent him. Never forget this as long as I live. We're not interested in talking to you. We only want to talk to him. Wow. And my attorney just kind of like stopped. He's like, that's not the way that works. I'm his attorney. Yeah. And literally the investigator was like, yeah, I understand that, but we have no interest in talking to you or him if you're with him. So if he changes his mind, let us know. Hangs the phone up. That's completely illegal, bro. <laughs> this like this is the first part yeah, of it, dude. Yeah, yeah. And so I just look at him and he looks at me and I'm like, what the fuck do I do? And he's like, I, I don't know what to tell you to do. He's like, hold on. So he calls him. Water if you need it, by the way. Oh, the, perfect. I wondered, I wonder if that was just left over. Um I literally thought that. I was like, no, well, I, watch, watch, I, I cleaned it and washed it, dude. You're um, all good. So he calls the, the investigator back. And he's like, just answer me a couple more questions. And the investigator's like, okay. And he's like, there's no arrest for Mr. Winter. No arrest warrant for Mr. Winter. No. Is he free to go to his house? Yep. Can he go to his facility? Yep. We're all done there. Okay. So, like, is there any restrictions on him, what he can do, where he can go? No. Free man. He can do whatever he wants. Let us know if he wants to talk. Click. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I, I go home. I guess. There's got to be a part of you like, fuck this guy. Like, I don't <clears throat> I, I mean, 
I mean, he said it to your attorney and everything, but like he's already trying to circumvent the privilege there of the client. I, I had I had genuinely no idea what to expect at this wow. point, right? Like I I don't know if I'm going to walk out of the building and they're just going to nab me. Like I, I gen, it, it's the most like I've ever been in my life. Right. So we get in the car, we go back to the airport. I get my car, which I I was like. They didn't take my car, but they took my other cars. I get home, front doors battering rammed, basement windows blown out, flashbangs up upper and lower floor. Like when I tell you it looked like my house was raided and ransacked, they destroyed furniture, like cut it open. They cut open the insulation in the basement. They tore every piece of clothing out of every closet that I had and just threw it on the floor. Literally. Every cabinet broke cabinet doors. Like they literally came into my house thinking they were gonna find like millions of dollars and like all these valuables and didn't. And basically were like, fuck this guy and just fucked up my house that at this point wasn't even a year old. Like it was a brand new, like very nice home. Wow. So there's a, a copy of the search warrant on, on my kitchen counter, a list of the items that they seized, and a note to call animal control because animal control has my dogs, right? Which I had two pit bulls in the house, which thank God they didn't shoot them. So I'm like, okay, first things first, dogs. Like, go to animal control, get the dogs. And on the way back, I was like, fuck it. Like, let's, let's go to the facility. Let's go see. So we drive to the facility. Front gates ripped open le and left open. And mind you, like, I had 35 acres that I built this facility on. I actually had cattle and everything. They just left the gates open. Like, didn't give a fuck. So get the gates closed, make sure the cattle are there, they're fine. Find my other dog that animal control set a trap for because he was in the facility, and this is a dog I still have to this day, Jaws. Yeah. Jaws was in the facility Wow. when they went to raid it. They tased him, and he took the taser and ran away. So ran off, in, <laughs> ran off into the bushes. So animal control set like a dog kennel trap for him. I found him in there, got him out of there, go into the facility and literally like... They just destroyed it. Like, it, the doors weren't to the rooms, were locked, not even with a deadbolt. Like, just turn button lock. Yeah. They literally pried every door off the hinges, flashbanged the whole thing, took every light, cut every plant, took every piece of grow control equipment, like, destroyed this three-quarters of a million-dollar facility that I had built. The only thing they didn't fuck with the snakes. Of course not. Literally the only, all my snakes were on the back wall, or like right when you walked in, not one tank was moved. I was like, fuck, man, okay, now I know where to hide the money next time. <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, um, I, I, yeah, I come in, and, and at that point, yeah, I'm just, I'm just gutted. Oh I'm just God, like, dude. I don't even How know what to you, do. dude? How did, when, when did you start feeling angry? Because there's, there's got to be some, like, morose, like, just sad, like, it, fuck, like, confusion, like, repression like you're feeling like oppressed really you're just like a victim of this well, of the system you're like what the fuck and then when did it turn into like god damn it so the, the shock probably lasted like a good week like i literally went home and didn't leave my house for a week like me part of my front door literally like i had it like screwed closed with a two by four so like i'm just trying to fix my home and like get that put back together to where it's right. like not a security risk basically um and that's probably when it started, when I'm literally, like, having to fix things. Shit and, again, broke, like, man. this is a brand-new house. And it would have been one thing if, like, I had trapped the fucking thing out and, like, it was, you know, covered in gross stuff and, like, all. 
There was nothing in it, man. It was a house. That was it. Like, all they had to do was come in, look through stuff. Like, they would have found whatever they wanted to find anyways. They didn't have to destroy it, right? But it was just so evident the more that I was there and the more I was going through things that, like, there was an anger on their end that they weren't finding what they thought they were going to find. And so it just turned into spitefulness. Like, we're going to, you know, fuck this guy. So that's probably when the anger really started. And then the other part, and this is probably one of the, like, people talk about losing it all, right? I didn't lose it all, but I literally went from six figures a month to zero overnight. Like, nothing. Did they, keep, did they have all your money at this point? So the only money that they never touched was the money that was actually in my bank accounts. They never touched that money. We'll get to the, the big chunk of it in a minute, but um, they never touched the money that was in my bank accounts. That was the only money they didn't take. So, but meanwhile, like, life does go on, right? Like, there's still bills. There's things that have to be paid, and it's just like, holy shit. Like, okay, like, I, I, I'm not, like, completely destitute broke, but how am I going to live moving forward? Because I didn't, like... Again, at this point, so it was 2018, so I was 33? Yeah, 33. I didn't have a whole bunch of investment. Like, I had real estate, but I didn't have a huge, whole huge investment portfolio, right? Like, I hadn't been making really good money for that long. Um, and so figuring out, like, what am I going to do and being in limbo, like, I, I'm still like just week after week. There's no arrest warrant. There's no communication. Like I'm calling my lawyer or texting him every day. Like anything? No. And there's just there's nothing. Did you ever get arrested? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it it's it, not funny, but it's more like it, yeah. So it, it took almost exactly eight weeks. Okay. And I'm laying in bed one morning, like 7:30. Cell phone rings. Pick it up. This Mr. Winter, it is. Uh, this is so and so from the Douglas County Sheriff. Just calling to let you know that your concealed weapons permit has been revoked because there's a warrant for your arrest. And I was like, "Can you tell me what the warrant's for?" She's like, "Don't have that information. Just calling to inform you." Okay, thanks. Hang up the phone. Call the attorney. There's a warrant for my arrest. How do you know that? Douglas County Sheriff just called me. Find out like what's going on. And he's like, "Look, I'm sure. Just take a breath. We'll do a walkthrough arrest." You're not even going to spend a night in jail. Like, just take a breath, calm down, stay at your house. Like, I'll call you back. Okay. Let's go out, let the dogs out, make some coffee. He calls me back. Um, so I was wrong about that walkthrough arrest. Um, you are going to go to jail. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, your bond's half a million dollars. And you are being charged with COCA, which in Colorado is violation of the Organized Crime Act of Colorado. So it's a state thing they're charging you with? <laughs> so I had seven felony charges. From money laundering to tax evasion to distribution of marijuana to violation of the Organized Crime Act of Colorado, some conspiracy charges, seven of them total. And my lawyer was like, um, this is way bigger than we had any idea. Like, where are you? And I was like, I'm at home. He's like, I would advise you to stay there because there are some guys that are they're coming for you. Just stay there. So I pick up the phone, call the next person I knew to call, knew to call called my dad. Just like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't, know, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how bad this is going to get. 
Um, and I was on the phone with him, and four dudes came around the corner of my house, full tack. I mean, it still makes me emotional just because yeah. I was on the phone with him. Um, full tack here, DEA, stand up, stand up. I got to go. Click. And so, yeah, it, it ended up not being a really big deal. Um, in terms of the jail time, I was only in for four days. But, like, going in, I had no fucking clue what was going to happen. Scary as shit, bro. Yeah. Um, so... I spent four days in jail. Um, they reduced my bond to 150 grand. They put an ankle monitor on me. They took my passport um, and basically said, go home and sit there and wait. And my attorney was like, yeah, you're part of an 11-person RICO case. And it wasn't even you that necessarily was the target, but you're, you're in it. And they're going to come after you with everything that they got. And so. Did you ever learn why? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that guy that I went to visit in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he decided that licenses of any kind weren't for him. He decided that paying taxes weren't, wasn't for him. He just decided he was going to do whatever the fuck he wanted, grow however he wanted, sell it out of state, ship it out of state buy all the things that he wanted to buy and never pay taxes on any of it. And I'm not exaggerating. He was five years delinquent on his federal taxes, three years delinquent on his state taxes, two years delinquent on all of his property taxes on multiple properties. Meanwhile, he had 11 cars, nine motorcycles, all sorts of other just random toys and growing illegally in every property that he owned. And in 2014, not long after I had gotten there, he had asked me to borrow money to finance another grow. And I loaned it to him. And when he paid me back, he's like, yo, you mind if I just write you a check? Like, the money's in the bank already. And I was like, sure, dude, whatever. Well, that check created a financial link between the two of us. And that was how they got me in the middle of their entire sting operation that centered around him. Wow. And so I spent 13 months, uh, yeah, right about 13 months in a legal battle with the federal government. So the state case was won. Then I had a federal case. Against you or for you? No, against me. Okay. So I had three cases total. Okay. Two state and one federal. So here's what people don't understand about federal law and state law. Federal law always trumps state law, even within the state. Right. So cannabis, even though it was legal for me to do what I was doing in the state of Colorado, even though I had a license to do it, Federal law says, uh-uh, no, it's not. What you're doing is illegal. So what they do and what they did, what they're still continuing to do, the feds come in and they bust your operation. They raid you because federally they are within their legal rights to do so. And then they turn all the information over to the state. They combine forces and they come after you criminally and civilly, Right. And they do that because they can combine the cases and because when they start hitting you from all these different angles, most, most people don't have the financial wherewithal because, again, they shut your business down, right? right? If they find cash, they take it. Right. And so now you're like, well, how the fuck do I fight all this, right? So seven felony charges, that was the criminal case. And my attorneys flat out just looked at me and they're like, look, we can fight it. It'll take three to four years of your life. It's going to cost you a quarter million dollars in legal fees. 
And you need to remember one thing. We can beat six of these charges. However, they only need to convict you of one. And if you fight them and they convict you on one, they're going to throw the book at you and you will go to prison, period. So I was facing with the range of charges, the absolute minimum that I would have seen if I was convicted was eight years. The maximum was 32. For a check. Yeah. For growing plants in a state where it's supposed to be legal. I know, but like I'm looking at this and it's like, so you don't have that arrangement with that dude that was a shithead about how he handled the, right. his responsibilities there. You're easy peasy, man. Like everything's lined up. You're not a threat. There's nothing. They're, they're like, this guy's small beans. Fuck this guy. Like they're not going to, no problem. One check. Right. But because. Who pays with check? <laughs> not me anymore. Um, but yeah. And, but here's the other part of it. And the other part is the asset part. And this is, again, something a lot of people don't realize. Federal civil asset seizure. The way that it works is the feds can come in and say, Mr. Prescott, we believe you've been evading taxes, and therefore, all of your assets, we're going to take them, and we're going to hold on to them, and you have to come to court to prove that your assets were not gained through illegal means. We don't have to prove in the court that we're actually right. We don't have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you were breaking the law. All we have to have is the suggestion but you have to prove that you weren't. So in my case, well, I'm growing cannabis. And yes, some of my assets were gained through the proceeds of my cannabis business. Right. Therefore, those assets were subject to federal asset seizure. So they, you just lost them. I, I didn't. I didn't. So for, I had a, a brilliant legal team. That, like one of the best things I ever did when I got into this business was I hired a really good legal team on, on all fronts. Um, and they are the reason that one, I didn't go to prison and two, that I walked away with a good bit of my assets still intact. So the other thing that happened when I went to jail. So when you're in the cannabis industry, right? Guns and cannabis, kind of a touchy thing, right? And I was a big time firearms enthusiast. Right. So within the industry, there was a company that we all knew about it was basically a private bank. And you go in, they give you a number. The only thing they take from you is your cell phone number, right? So that they can contact you. There's nothing tracing you to this whatsoever, right? And you can get gun lockers, you can get safety deposit boxes, all of it. It's right? like some Da Vinci Code shit, man. K- kind of, yeah. Um, and you pay an, you know, an annual fee, whatever. So that's where my cash was. That's where... of my guns were, right? Well, one time when I was in there, they had a pay-per-swipe soda machine, and I wanted a soda. Swiped my credit card in there. When they poured through my financial transactions, they found that, and they went through, and when I mean everything, I mean everything. They traced to where that was. They went there, saw what it was. They went to the court. They got a search warrant for the entire record system of that private bank, cross-referenced my phone number, got my box numbers and my gun locker numbers, literally called in. I got all this from the owner when I went there and found all this out. Called on the spot, said, we need a search warrant for these lockers and these gun lockers. Got it. They took $294,000 in cash. They took $100,000 worth of firearms. And I had, again, some personal drugs that I was keeping for myself in there. 
I didn't know that they had hit it until after I got out of jail. They hit it right before I went in. So I get out, and I'm like, okay, shit's fucked. Like, it's bad. I got some money. I, I got some money. I've got some assets. Like, I'll, I'll be okay. And I'll never forget walking in there and the owner looking at me and just shaking his head and being like, dude, I'm so sorry. And just handed me the search warrants. And it, it, again, it was just like, how many different ways? Like, how many different ways, you know, do you guys want to fuck me right now? Um, and that was when it was like, that was my lowest. And that was in April of 2018. And it was just like, literally, I remember just going out to, the, to one of the hills on my property and just sitting there and being like, dude, this, I don't know how I'm getting out of this one. Like, I don't, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. Um, how and heavy were those thoughts, man? Heavy. Yeah. Some of the heaviest I've ever had in my life. Yeah. That's not a lot of hope in those. No, no, there wasn't. Man. Especially when you're like, you're legitimately seeing a system fuck you. Yes. Again, and, and this was what, what kept running through my head it was like all the shit that I did for all those years that was like blatantly illegal yeah. and got away with it and then turned the corner and like tried to do it the legal way and like be licensed. And this was the reality. And it was like, well, it was like this constant battle. Like, well, did I earn this from all the shit I did before? Like, you know, was this just catching up to me? Like, you know, and there's no, there's no real rhyme or reason. Like it is, it is what it is and, and, and shit happens. Um, but so going through the process of literally sitting in rooms with federal and state prosecutors and listening to my attorney negotiate or try to negotiate back and forth with them. And their initial offer was plead guilty and you won't go to prison. And my attorney was like, fuck you guys. Like, not a, not a chance. Like, you're not taking all of his assets. Like, you know, and again, having to go through and it was just like time after time after time after time. And there, there was a point at which I wanted to just be like, you know what, fuck it. Okay, fine. Take it fucking all. Like, I don't want to go to prison, right? And guys like me, I don't do well in prison, right? That's just, that's right. just, that's We're too pretty, dude. That's right. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Um, so, I'm not a bottom, and I would force to be one. Like, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. No, I'm, I'm right there with you, bro. Um, so it, it came down to, we finally, we finally came to terms. Um, I wrote the federal government a check for $211,000. They kept the $294,000 in cash. I kept my 35-acre property. I kept my house. I kept my truck that was paid for and my other, like, my ATV and stuff like that. I got four years probation on a deferred sentence, and I pled guilty to cultivation over 30 plants, which is a third-degree felony. That, so you lost all that shit for fucking growing 30 plants, according to the specifics of the case yep jesus christ man yep that's pissing me off right now <laughs> all in all 2018 cost me 1.4 million dollars and a good chunk of that was money that the government just straight took yeah so when shit like what's going on now when you ask why the rise in cannabis arrests they're doing this shit where's that money go to the fucking government. Where I know, but I, I know, but I know we know that. Okay. But like, where within? So I, I don't believe. Maybe, maybe I've seen, maybe I've watched Narcos too many times. But it's no. just like, I, dude, that's in some dude's hands. Well, yes, okay, yes or no. So here's the deal. And again, people don't realize this: states that participate with the feds in civil asset seizure, 
they get 40 to 50% of the seized assets. So like Jesus Christ, dude. So so homeboy that got me in this mess, they auctioned off all 11 of his cars, his motorcycles, his snowmobiles. That he he literally just went take it all. Yeah. His well, pro- he knew he was fucked. Right. Dude. His his properties all they, like literally they got almost probably close cuz he had he didn't have just like bullshit cars. Like he had fucking tricked out Vipers and like all right. sorts of like they probably got close to two and a half million out of him just from the civil asset seizure. <laughs> I keep seeing some fucking Fed guy going up to the state guys, like pitching him an MLM. Guys, I've got this investment opportunity for you. All we got to do is bust a couple fucking plants. You get 40% of their shit. Yeah, there's going to be some bad press or whatever. But you're going to be fucking fine. You're going to be flossing. This guy's got a Viper. I don't know, man. I got to talk to my wife about it. I don't know how she do this. <laughs> yeah. Literally, dude. Like, and, and, you know, when I tell people, there are two reactions. They either are like, I don't know if I can believe that. And then I just pull up the rap sheet. I'm like, there you go. Like, it's, I, it's not like it's not an exaggeration. And it's still, it happened in Colorado in 2018. In 2019 and 2020, uh, until COVID, they rolled through California doing the same thing. Got a good buddy that lives out in, uh, in Northern California, up in close to what people know as like Murder Mountain and the Emerald Triangle up yeah. there. And he literally was telling me in 2020, he's like, bro, there's tanks rolling through the streets. Tanks. That's fucking weed. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. cronyism is what it is, man. It, like I mean, it's extortion at its finest. It's legalized extortion. And that's what, like, so you clearly learned your lesson and got out of the cannabis industry, hundred percent, right? yeah. <laughs> so I, I genuinely thought I was done, right? Um, and then 2018, the Farm Bill passed, and they legalized hemp. And so hemp now at the federal level is legalized. Okay. And so, is that how you grow in Utah then yeah. here? Okay. Yep. That, that is what I grow here in Utah is 100% federally compliant hemp. And they cannot fuck with me. Okay. And that's that's part of why you can make out of that hemp the CBD stuff that's non psychoactive. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, I like I said, I was on the wholesale side of cannabis. I hope you brought some of that shit for me, bro. So I I I don't have any right now. I need a shipment. I know. No, I literally. I I know. I literally looked in the cabinet. I called the feds on you too. (laughs) (laughs) No, I literally looked in the cabinet. I was like, holy shit! I have nothing to take down there to him. So that's I'm. But I got you next time I see you. No, 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 dude. I'm just Um, busting your balls, man. But. I've always been on the wholesale side of things with cannabis, and there's not really a wholesale market, a great wholesale market for hemp yet. It's just not there. Um, and so a guy that I've known for quite a number of years, he and I decided to start Anyone CBD last season because we were tired of watching basically like the CBD market's full of shitty products and just yeah. cronyism, right? Yeah. It, it's a buzzword, and there's all sorts of people that just want to take advantage of that. And as legacy cannabis farmers, we were like, we can do this better and we can do something about it. We're one of the only seed to sale CBD companies in the nation. So not only do we grow our own plants, but all of the genetics, the strains that we grow, my partner actually developed those himself. So he has a, a company in Oregon and he's actually a provider of hemp genetics and hemp seed worldwide. So we literally have our own seed, our own strains. We do all of our own growing. We do our own processing. The only thing that we don't do ourselves is the actual end creation of like the gummies or the tinctures, and we subcontract that out. But we have a hand in the oversight of every single thing. So if if, if the opportunity presented itself through um, either federal or state legalization of recreation, do you have the capacity to go THC and psychoactive and become that type of retailer? So uh, 
Yes and no. Um, so Utah is really tricky with with medical marijuana. It's only medical here, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's very political, like it is in a lot of places. Right. Um, and you know, where I'm kind of at with it is, I would love to be back involved with it, but frankly, like after going through what I went through, yeah, you're like um, fuck this dude. My, my my name will never go on some shit again. Right. Right. Like I'm and and that's the thing. Like I still do some consulting to uh to a medical. And recreational cultivation operations, right. but even when I'm in those operations, I literally don't touch the plants because I'm a convicted felon now. So, like, I literally just like walk through and I'm like, do this, do this, and you fix this, and you fix this. Yeah. But it's it's something. I've been in this industry for almost two decades, and you know that was the biggest thing when I got busted and everything went down. Like, my family, my closest friends, they're all like, so you're done now, right? Like, you're you're finished with all yeah. this. You're gonna go get a job, and it was like. Initially, it was like, fuck, like, is that what I got to do? And I was like, no, no, it's not what I'm doing. Like, I'm, I'm going to figure this out. And so just continue to pivot and continue to work, to continue to run with it. Okay, so ridiculous story, clearly. My heart goes out to you for that because, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm putting myself in the position of you. Like, I've had some times where, like, some shit went down and I had to deal with some stuff with law and mm-hmm. courts and things. And I, I fucking hated it because mm-hmm. it never, ever, ever felt equitable. It, it did never felt like I had a fair right. shake, you know? So it's like, and my shit was just low-level, stupid shit, you know? So mm-hmm. to think about the gravitas of, like, what you were up against and the uncertainty of it, I'm just like, oh, dude. To think that, like, you're thriving the way that you are is inspiring to me. That's that's one thing. Secondly, um, <laughs> how did you get the stones to get back into, even with hemp? Because that's still the same shit. You're still growing a weed plant. So initially... Like, in 2019, so I, I ran a farm in Moab in 2019. Okay. Um, I was actually partners on that with Sean. And so I was down there running that, and I was really quiet about it. Like, really quiet about it. Like, my family and immediate friends knew, but, like, I really wasn't putting anything out on social media. Like, you know, and, and, and I was really kind of nervous. I was still on probation at that point. Um, and really were you the breaking f- the law as a part of that, or you just... I wasn't. I was not. So you were good. You just I, were like, I-, I wasn't before as far as what I thought. It, it, you just, after right. you go through that, it's like, oh, fuck, man. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what You're I'm like, actually black doing. people, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. I never even thought of it like that, but yes. Yeah. Um, so, and I was still doing consulting, but again, very quiet. Like, I was not public about anything. Um, and really until last year... So my probation ended early. I got early termination on my probation last March. And really, if you like, you look at my social media, that was when I yeah, started start being showing. public. Okay. And there was a part of me that was like, fuck it. Let's see. Like, let's see. Because what I'm doing now at the federal level is legal. And there's nothing that says that I can't do it. Let's see. And so obviously I was, I was real public and real out in the open about everything that we did last season with the farm and starting this company and all that. And there's, there is nothing anywhere that says I can't be an owner of a CBD company, right? Like that's not at all. Um, There are some regulations now with the USDA that I can't be an owner of a hemp farm or have a license in my name for, I guess it's another four years now. So they've got, again, if I had robbed a bank, I could have a hemp grower license, but because I have a drug conviction, I can't. God, so again, God bless America, man. Yeah, <laughs> so backwards. It, it's it, like I said, it 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 was the most eye opening experience I've ever had with just how things actually work in this country and like the way that things go. 
So and what's like, your big takeaway out of this? Like, how do you stay? Because I, I don't know you that well, mm-hmm. but I know you well enough to know, like, this guy has a calmness about him. Like, there's, like, I don't ever get a weird vibe from you. It's like, there's something weird about Weston. He's like, he's just a nice dude. He, he's in fucking that. snakes, but that, that, that's, <laughs> okay, maybe that's his kink. I don't know, but, <laughs> but I'm like, so, and you've been through this shit. Like, how, how do you sleep without worrying about that shit? <laughs> actually, I, I sleep like the dead, actually. Yeah, she, she can attest to that. <laughs> um, I mean, straight up, dude, like, it's, when you go through something like that and you genuinely, like, at a point think your life is over and then you continue through it, like, yeah. you come through it, um, and, there, there, like, there's more to all of that that, like, we, we won't even get into, but, like, 2018 was by far the worst year of my life, um, and there were multiple points where, like, I, I genuinely thought about ending it, like, just yeah. checking out, and when you come through something like that and then you get to look back on it, and like have the perspective of like, holy shit! Like I made it through that. Yeah. Like I, I actually did. It, it wasn't a dream. Like I actually lived through all that, and I'm still here. It's like, oh, all right. Well, shit's definitely not always, always going to be sunshine and rainbows. But like, that's probably not necessarily as bad as it can get. But yeah. that was fucking bad, yeah. and I'm still here. So like, let's just keep going. And like, the biggest thing now for me is. Like, every day's a gift. And that was, like, the biggest thing I got from even, again, and, and I have I have buddies that are convicted felons and spent, you know, years behind bars. Um, and I don't even come close to saying that my experience was comparable to theirs because it's not at all. The one thing I share with them is the perspective that, like, every single day is a gift. And, like, every day that I wake up and I got eye, a sight in my eyes and breath in my lungs and the freedom to walk around and do whatever I want, cool, man. Like anything else that comes, like I'll just I'll figure it out. And dude, there's such a strength in having a realization like that and having mm-hmm. that be your reality. I mean, obviously, it's it's completely it's the, the the fuckery is all time high to know what you went through, to be able to then for you to look at this and go, let's hope that's the worst shit you've had to deal with mm-hmm. until you expire, whenever that is. Right. Um, but it's also cliche to say. Um, you know, every day is a gift. You're not saying it in a cliche way. I don't mean like that, but it's like there's a lot of people that don't really understand the reality that every day mm-hmm. is a gift. Mm-hmm. They've never been through some shit. They've like got microaggressions because somebody called them a dude when they were a chick or whatever, and like they they freak out about the dumbest shit. But like when you're facing existential threats, mm-hmm. it changes your perspective. It, it also when you are fully taken out of control. Yes. Of not just your life, but your future, and you regain it, it's like, oh, shit's really not that bad. Yeah. Like, whatever else might come at me really isn't that bad in comparison to the fact that, like, I genuinely almost lost my freedom. Yeah. I remember, and this is, of course, not even remotely close to the same situation, but I remember, um, you know, in, in my past, I was bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And because of stories from my family and different things when I was growing up, the idea of being somebody that had a bankruptcy was the most immoral. Mm-hmm. You're a liar. You're a fucking cheat. You're, you know, the whole thing. And I remember, like, on the other side of it, being like, those guys are full of shit, man. Like, I didn't, I didn't do anything that was out of bounds. It just was I had a couple of bad things happen at the wrong time that I couldn't, and I did my very, very best to get out of it, and I just couldn't, and here right. we are. It's like 
that create the only reason I bring that up is that creates like this feelingness that I think is this is a similar seed of feelingness that you're describing where it's like okay so I went through this thing it looked bad it mm-hmm. fucking sucked mm-hmm. but I'm through right I'm out of it yeah okay so now what because mm-hmm. that's the thing I don't think a lot of people really ask themselves when they go through these experiences like that they don't ever take the moment to ask themselves okay well now what What's next? Yeah. Because that, th- that's real. Right. You move on somehow, either right. through apathy and you don't do shit, or like you've done, you've took it by the horns and decided to fucking grow hay or whatever. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. The best, strongest rope ever, man. But, hey, you know what? Hemp literally does make the best rope ever. Um, I forget who I was talking to. I was talking to, uh, it was, it, he was a rancher, and I was talking to him recently. Were you with me? We're talking about the hemp ropes? Yeah. And literally they were talking about the fact that there are ropes that were made back in like the 20s and 30s out of hemp that old time ranchers like will like hoard them right because they're still good because they're still because they still last versus what ropes made out of today and well that that brings up shit. an interesting thought being that you're such a uh, an, a player in this space I'm, I'm wondering if you can validate this if you know the truth or not i heard somewhere read it somewhere uh, and again i might be full of shit who knows but mm-hmm. that I mean, usually that was sorry. most of the time, but that the hemp was so so the, cannabis used to be legal in the 1800s and early 1900s. Our Constitution is written on a piece of hemp paper. Fuck yeah, dude. So <laughs> um, roll that baby up and smoke it anyway. Uh, <laughs> so with that, that um, it was actually like the like the newspaper lobby that was they were getting undercut because the newspaper lobby had like ownership of forest or something for actual paper and hemp paper was cheaper and more less expensive and so they thought well we need to get hemp off the market and the way they did it was through what hemp is become, becomes which is thc weed and, and so they and then they had all those things about you know the the total smear campaign about what it actually does and everything and that that's why we have a schedule one drug that was because some fucking greedy ass capitalist newspaper fucks were like i'm getting killed on the paper the hearst family hearst family okay. so they owned not only most of the newspapers nationally but they owned paper mills that were funded by trees. Yeah. They wanted newspapers printed on paper from trees. Okay. And so, yes, that, that is absolutely See, ac- fucking no, right. No, that's absolutely accurate. That like, that was part of it. And they helped propel the, uh, the fallacies about cannabis devil's lettuce and, and all this stuff. Cause they controlled the news. That's a great name, by the way. They, I like the it. It, it is. Name. It is. I, I use that one all the time. Yeah. Um, but that, that was absolutely true, and they got politicians to buy into it because here's the thing. Cannabis as a plant, it threatens so many industries. Oh, it dude, threatens not We talked about pharmaceutical. It threatens the alcohol industry. Yep. It threatens the cotton industry. It threatens the paper industry. Think of it this way. Think of all the products that we make out of trees, wood, paper products, whatever. Every single one of those products can be made from hemp. Think if we never had to cut down another tree again. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Look around you in this office. If it's not made out of glass or metal, you can make it out of hemp. Yep. Straight up. Hemp plastics. There's hemp crete now. And so... Hemp crete, like concrete. Literally, milled hemp stalks. So the plants that I grow, mill the stalks down, combine them with lime and mix them up, hemp crete. Holy shit, dude. It's, It's... it is literally, and, and I, I used to say that, that, that hemp would change the world. 
I genuinely believe that cannabis can change the world. Well, like, you, the, way you de- the way you describe it, I've, I've thought this for the longest time. It's almost like a miracle drug. Like the idea that our bodies have cannabinoid receptors in them and the release of the cannabinoid receptors through either you know ingestion, smoking, whatever. You don't have a heroinoid receptor for heroin in your no. body, you know, like no. alcoholinoid or whatever. Like, so it would make sense that something so – and let's be real. It's not benign. There are certain things that are not good about it, okay? Sure. It, but in, re- it can in make relation, you a lazy fuck and not want to do anything all day, right? Like, and it no can questions. affect, co- like, over time. I've, I've, you know, read that, like, if you started it early in your teenage years, that you're emotionally stunted if you have ex- excessive use of it, or the, like, so it's not benign. I'm not saying like it's the fucking that miracle drug. It, babe. I'm emotionally stunted. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, ding. All right. Uh, it, but having said all that, like, it would make sense why that would be. Even if you get into like a spiritual kind of sort of tint, mm-hmm. like this ridiculously powerful medicine would be demonized mm-hmm. and not used for the good that it is. Because I, I know for myself, like my and my family jokes about this, dude. I get freaking stoned and I start seeing shit different. Mm-hmm. Like not like seeing things yeah. different. Like yeah. I had this moment in Vegas where I was high and I was eating all the foods mm-hmm. and I was I could see taste. Mm-hmm. I figured out the algorithm of taste in my head, and my wife was like, this is fucking out of a crush. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. And, like, so it obviously helps with growth and understanding and all sorts of – anyway. Just all, all plant medicines do this. Do that. Thanks whether, for, thanks for reminding me what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> whether it's cannabis or mushrooms, I yeah. want plant medicine. Yeah. Like, they were if put it, here. If it's grown that way and, – And it's also the use – Right? Yeah. I've come to a point in my life where I use cannabis with intention. Like, I use CBD on a daily basis for yeah. a variety of things. I don't really use THC much anymore, but I do, and when I do, it's with intention. It's, it's not yeah. just like, oh, let me just get stoned. Right? right? And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I have no, no uh, uh, hard feelings or, or, like, qualms about that for anyone. But when you use something with intention, it changes everything about it. I remember that the, when I when I uh, there was a period of time several years ago when um, I it had been since I was in high school that I had um, dropped mushroom like, or tripped mm-hmm. on mushrooms on mm-hmm. psilocybin mushrooms and I did it every other week for six months and okay. I journal about it and everything and about halfway through I got this advice or like um, ask the plant to tell you what you need and so like I would have this sort of like journaling experience like so I'm getting ready to go on a trip again. I recognize it's tapping in and giving sensitivities to parts of my brain and my spirit that I don't have right now that are dulled. And so, you know, please, mother plant or whatever the fuck, help me. Mm-hmm. And it legit does. Yeah. I know that sounds like all no, airy fairy and shit, like I'm going to tap into my chakra or some shit, but like it's real. That you are, though. Yeah. That you are tapping into different energy centers that, frankly, like as a human race, we have shut down and, and are the foods we eat, the water we drink, all that shit. It's all designed to do the same thing. Um, when I've done ayahuasca journeys, it's the exact same thing. Like, you asked Madre, like, yeah. what do I need to know? What What are you trying to teach me? What do I need to learn? Every answer we have is in here. It yeah. is. And it's, yeah. it's all about unlocking it and figuring it out. And, yeah, man, I mean, plant plants are, in my opinion, not the cure-all necessarily, but they are the cure-most. Like, yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, humanity is how many fucking tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years old? We don't know. Uh-huh. And it's only been the last, you know, let's see, 
150 years we've had actual pharmaceuticals. Everything else is like, oh, I'm going to mush together this mint leaf, and then I'm going to fucking cut some horse piss. And like, yep. We have a segment that we do called uh, Current Events. Okay. And so uh, we're going to talk shit on, uh, on some current events. We got <laughs> my producer guys got some picked. Perfect. We, 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 cho- we deliberately choose non-political ones. Okay. But it always ends up. T- it's it's. I, I'm not scared. I'm not scared either, dude. I had Sean Whalen on this fucking. Yeah. Thing, <laughs> we get in and like I, I'm laughing at it because um, we said seriously like I don't know how many times. I know we said we're not going to get political, and then we would say something more political than we just said. The right. politically, it was it was awesome. But all right, man. So uh, like I was saying, what, what what you got, Cash Man? I was just speaking about marijuana uh, and the lovely propaganda that it is. A new study shows odds for emergency rooms visit. Hey, wow, words, words are hard, hard. bro. <laughs> That's my line with you. Yeah. Okay. Anywho. It feels good to say it back. <laughs> study shows odds for emergency room visits rise with marijuana use. So odds. What, are the, what do they mean by that? Recreational marijuana use was associated with 22% greater odds of needing to visit an emergency room or be hospitalized, Can Canadian That's researchers bullshit. found. Okay. I, I know why. I, I know why. Go ahead. Oh, uh, here's, here's the fun part, because I always like looking into studies and figuring out what's actually going on. So what they did is they analyzed health records from 35,000 residents of Ontario from 12 to 65, from 2009 to 2015, and then figured out if they had used marijuana at any point in the past 12 months, and 65% of them had. So they're saying, well, you have a higher risk because of the high medical records. Going to the ER. Going to the ER. For what? For, for, any, for any reason. Okay, so my wife and I were talking about this story last night, dude. So when I first started using weed, mm-hmm. my first tried it, I was, I was an adult. I grew up a Mormon. I didn't, I didn't do any of that shit. Right. Um, and uh, I smoked it five times, didn't get high once. Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it was like the, the, like my lung receptors had some sort of like cellophane that had to burn off or whatever and then i could get high Mm -hmm. so at the time we had these friends and the dude was just the most monstrous stoner you've ever met dude Mm -hmm. like hey man we're gonna fucking (laughs) so he's like i'm gonna get you high i'm like okay so he we filled up my sink with water we tried like a water bomb (laughs) didn't work and he had made these muffins right and at this point i have this fucking like arrogance I can't get high. I'm, it's, I, dude, it's not, it doesn't work in my body, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I eat this whole muffin. <laughs> and he had eaten half. Mm-hmm. And he goes, whoa, bro. And I go, like a fucking idiot, go, fuck you. And I take the other half and I eat a muffin and a half, right? We're at my house in South Jordan. And it starts hitting. And this is the first time I've ever been high. Mm-hmm. I'm freaking the fuck out. Oh, right I guarantee so like, it. My my wife it. is my wife is a champ at this shit, dude. Mm-hmm. Like she's dude, it's so sexy. She can roll a joint. Like she just she holds a she knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like getting shaky leg and yeah. shit. And I'm like, you gotta take me to the doctor. She's like, we're not going to the doctor. She's like, no, yeah, I'm not feeling good. Yet. She's like, yeah. she's like, just mm-hmm. just chill out. You're gonna be. Fine. She's like talking me off the ledge. You're gonna be fine. So I'm thinking of this stupid study, and some of these fucks didn't need to go. They needed a nap. That's mm-hmm. what they did. Fucking just go sleep it off. Here's some Cheetos. Sleep it off. That's You'll right. Be fine. Food. So the two counterpoints to, to being too high. Yeah. Food. Yep. That's the first one. Second one, lay down. And, and people are like, I can't close my eyes. Lay down and let your eyes be open and just stare at a singular point. Yep. Things might move a little bit on you, but like just lay there and relax. Yep. And that's – so I was going to say with that study that he brought up – in Colorado, when recreational hit, 
emergency oh, room visits <laughs> went through the fucking roof. And because people would come on from out of state, right? Yeah. And being like, oh, dude, I'm a stoner. I smoke all day, every day. Like, and then they get I the got real this. shit, dude. And they would go to a dispensary. And, I, and I've said this for years that dosing on certain products should be dialed way back. But like, for instance, I have a soda in my fridge at home. There's 100 milligrams of THC in this soda. I've been in the Century Club one time, dude. Okay. That was enough. No, yeah. 100 milligrams in a soda that's easily digestible, yeah. right? But people would go to a dispensary, go to a rec store, they would get one of these sodas, be like, oh, a soda? That's dope. They'd get a soda and a 50 milligram cookie. And they'd eat the cookie in its entirety and wash it down with the soda. I don't give a fuck who you are. You ingest 150 milligrams of THC, you're going to think you're seeing God. Yep. Like, you're, you're going to lose your shit. Yep. And that's why people were going to the emergency room because, like, they literally were just taking these excessive amounts of THC. I personally have eaten 65 milligrams in a day before. It was after I did a ruck uh, for literally 28 miles, and I literally couldn't move, and I just wanted to sleep all day. But, like, 100 milligrams, like, in a sitting no fucking way. Like, yeah. just like, no. Well, dude, I've had, I've, I've been curious about like, cause I know in California they sell these, they call them like the death star. Someone's like a 500 milligram little star jelly or whatever. What's his name on Rogan? Eight. Yeah. One. Fucking Joey Diaz. Yeah. Man. Joey, he, yeah. He would, no, that guy's a fucker, dude. He would give those to his friends, not telling him how much was in it. Cause he wanted to watch him fucking spin off the planet. I was like, this guy's both my hero and seriously. Fuck that guy. Like, <laughs> For real. Because I'm like real. What my, that same friend of mine that I told you about, Matt Tribe, that it was wanted to be killed by the Clintons. He, uh, he took 2,000 milligrams at Disneyland one time, dude, and was walking around. Like, he's another, he's another type of human, dude. He might be like one of the lizard Jesus. people. Yeah, he's like, oh, I don't remember any of them, dude. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how he walked. Well, and there's another comedian that's actually really famous here locally. His name is Marcus Hardy. He's, uh, he's a part of the Marcus and Guy group. He talks about on stage, and I've watched this dude do it. Like, he'll eat 150, 200 milligrams in a setting, go on stage, and fucking murder. It's I, like, these guys are fried. Like, their receptors are done. Like, they just, they yeah. can't. Well, and, and that's what's happened now, right? Just because, and, and I've said the same thing about concentrates. Like, dudes that are taking dabs all day of, like, yeah. rosin and, and, and shatter and all this, and it's literally 90% THC, and they're just ripping rip after. It's yeah. like done one dab in my entire life. I don't ever want to do another one. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm good. Like, I, I'm... Dude, one of, yeah, my, one of my friends, his name's uh, Keith Yaki, he talks about how he'll just take, like, seven milligrams. Yeah. Seven. And I'm like, I'll take 20 or 30 to pop and, you know, whatever. But then I'm like, oh, I also can't stop fucking eating when I do that either. So that makes <laughs> yeah. sense. All right, anyway, what, what else you got, dude? <laughs> I just want to throw out there, the dab situation yeah it's too much like hard drugs you got to get a blowtorch yes. you got to make sure the temperature is right yeah you can't know your dad like yeah <laughs> <laughs> anywho okay so lucky for us the ugliest dog in the world has been named okay the first place is mr happy it is a chinese chihuahua oh my god was dude. named in california jesus so i know you're looking for a new dog bryce dude <laughs> look at that tongue like, some fucking Single woman named Brittany with a can of peanut butter that's what? like, that dog's cute. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> that's an ugly-ass uh, fucking dog, dude. I, see, I, I, I look at that, and I'm just like, that's sad. Like, who kept that alive? Like, when it came out, like, as a puppy, like, why, who kept that alive? I didn't say kill it, but, like, humanely. Just don't feed it. Like, I mean. <laughs> 
humanely put it to sleep? Like, come He's on. He's got some snakes that are hungry. Dude, yeah, for real. Oh, I never understood. That. I know that, like, like I we had a pug that just passed, and and like I know pugs are like the crossbreeding of the worst of the worst to get the nose to be a smushy and the, <laughs> the way they breathe and all that shit. So like, maybe that maybe that's just generations of fuckers. It is. Like, it is. I could see some sick fuck being like, let's make the ugliest dog. And then twenty years later, we got they probably ate hundred happy. They, they probably there. ate hundred milligram hundred milligram edible and came up with that idea. Yeah, and they're like, it's so pretty. <laughs> the dog's beautiful. Anywho, last one, Mr. Snake. Okay. So a nine foot boa constrictor was found just wandering loose outside of New York, and a grandmother and the two year old granddaughter found the snake. How dangerous is it just to have a nine foot boa constrictor running around? It's not that. I'm, well, I'm they don't have legs, so they're not running anywhere. Yeah. But. <laughs> Ha, ha. <laughs> hey, Slytherin. Words matter, dude. <laughs> um, a, a dangerous, a nine-foot bow, not that dangerous. Like, I mean, if, can they go fast? They, they can move when they really want to. Yeah. They, so they got to create friction, right? And so, like on like smooth concrete, no, like they just sit there and they almost can't move that fast. But they get on grass or like rough textured concrete, yeah, they can move. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, but a nine foot boa constrictor, I mean, it, a nine foot snake sounds really big, but it's real. I mean, it was probably that big around. Like it couldn't have even eaten somebody's cat. Like, I mean, it's dangerous for the, the giant New York sewer rats probably, but you know, beyond that. That's a good point, dude. Right. It sounds huge. Yeah. But, but it's not, I mean, it's still fucking huge, but it's, it's not like a 20 foot, you know, no Aristotle or whatever your guy's name is. Reticulated Python. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah, the name of your guy? Uh, well, uh, so Apollo. Apollo. I said Aristotle. And sorry. He, no, different, fine. Different He's, uh, actually, that's a good name. I should keep that one. Yeah. Uh, all 60 of mine are named, so okay. that, that's a process sometimes. Well, that shows, like, concern and care. Like, they're, you know, actually... Mm-hmm. I've always been... That's why I asked you that question in the beginning. Like, if you actually felt love and empathy and, like, concern. And some of them, you're like, yeah. And the other ones like, nah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this guy wants to kill me. Fuck him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just need his... his what is it? Sperm plug or I whatever. Need his, need his genetics. Yeah. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, um, dude, this has been a fun one. Absolutely. I enjoyed it, I appreciate it, your candor, man. You being honest about everything, that's a big deal. And uh, I don't know. Um, what's your Instagram handle? Weston underscore or Weston.Winner. Weston.Winner. Yeah. Okay, we'll put, a, we'll put a link in the show notes, too, there. So go give him a follow. Give his, uh, his fiance a follow, too. She's Yeah, yeah, definitely do. Definitely do. She, she, she's, a, she's all private lockdown on everything, so definitely oh, like okay. flood her inbox with follows, please. Yeah. And if you have any appropriate pictures of snakes... Feel free, you know? (laughs) I'm talking about reptiles, dude, or whatever they are. I'm not talking. They have two. You got it. He breeds them, you know. Oh, I get what you're saying. Oh, sick. This bitch over here is. This is what I live with. Yeah, I get it, dude. And now I see why you have snakes on hand. All right, anyway, so thanks so much, Weston. Um, You guys know what to do. 